Hello and a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. This is a place where I share tips and techniques along with other experts in their fields to help you look and feel the best version of yourself. And first of all, I want to start this week by just asking, how are you? I think when people ask this question, we tend to just say fine or okay or good. But I thought it'd be really nice just to take a moment to tune into how we really are. So whatever you're doing now, whether you're walking, whether you're in your house, whether you're relaxing, even if you're driving, just take a moment to tune in. Of course, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes with this. But if you can safely close your eyes and do that for a moment. And all you need to do, whatever you're doing, is take a really long, deep breath. So just breathe in through the nose, really let your abdomen rise, and then take a long exhalation out through the nose, let the abdomen lower. And just do that one more time. So really deep breath in, and then a long exhalation. And then just say, how am I? And listen to that first word or feeling that comes up now. And whatever that was, whether it felt something really positive and nourishing or it felt something quite uncomfortable or perhaps you perceived it as negative, just simply acknowledge it. You don't need to try and analyse it now or judge it. Just simply acknowledge it. Just become aware. And just once we become aware, then we're able to just let that feeling pass through us. Often we get very stuck with emotions because we don't tend to really just acknowledge them and tune in. But if we can do that, it becomes so much healthier and so much freer within our mind and body as well. So now we've just done that, I want to introduce you to this week's guest. So we have the lovely Dr. Marielle Bouquet, and she is an absolutely amazing, amazing holistic psychologist. And she really delves very deep into trauma, but how we can really holistically heal that trauma to help us feel strong and well and help us have the very best life that we can. And she's such an inspiration. I've been following her on Instagram for probably about a year now. She does some amazing videos and reels, which really helps us to understand that actually every single one of us have gone through trauma in some way. So trauma doesn't necessarily have to be a major life event, you know, like a major earthquake that's happened or a major car crash or major grief that we've gone through. It can just be very small things. It may be something that someone once said to you. It may be a thought or feeling that you've experienced. It may be something that you've seen in your life. It may be a series of events over time. But we all have that trauma within us. And when that trauma is within us, it can manifest itself in so many ways. It can manifest itself psychologically, metabolically. It can manifest itself as behaviour or mood. So this podcast really helps you to understand trauma but also understand ways that you can release it as well and that you can heal from it because you can heal from it. And when we relate it to face yoga, obviously face yoga is very much to do with wellness. So anything we're doing to help our wellness is great. But also, of course, with the face, we hold so much trauma and emotion in the face. So really dealing with what's going on internally can make a massive difference externally as well. 
So before we get into the episode, I just wanted to remind you about my 10-day course. Now, I know lots of you have already taken this and absolutely love it, but some of you may not even be aware that I have this 10-day course. So it is over 10 days, 10 minutes a day of full face yoga. So you really get into naturally lifting the face through facial exercise, facial massage, do acupressure, relaxation, affirmations within 10 minutes. You'll lead through it every single day for 10 days. It doesn't matter if you want to take a break for a day or two and then get back to it. You may go all through the 10 days and go, yeah, I love this. I see the results. My face looks lifted. I feel calm in my mind. And then you'll want to just do it all again. And that is absolutely fine too. Plus you get a full digital copy of my first book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and all the techniques within the 10-day course relate to the book too. So if you've already have my book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, the course is a really great way of just allowing you to see those techniques in motion and have sort of a, a visual reference to what you're really seeing in the book as well. So if you just go to faceyogaexpert.com slash shop, you'll see it there. It's called 10 Day Face Yoga Course for Personal Use and it is fabulous. So head there now. So without further ado, let's get into this week's beautiful episode with Dr. Marielle Bouquet. Marielle, a very warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Danielle. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. And I'm so looking forward to our chat. I've been following you on Instagram for a while and checking out everything you do on YouTube and everywhere else. And I know you are such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to well, so many things. But something I really want to deep dive into today is talk a little bit about trauma, which I know is one of your areas of expertise. But before we do that, I would love to know a little bit about your story and how you got into the world of of health and and wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. This way that I've entered this world has been, I think, very driven by maybe like intuition, ancestral guidance and other things because I never really knew the world of wellness or specifically the world of therapy growing up. So for me, it just so happens that I happen to have opportunities in already my adult life and already while I was working individual in the area of uh, advertising that I uh, realized that there was this world of therapy where I could help people and And eventually, you know, I landed here. But really what drove me here were uh, two things. So while I was working in advertising, I decided that I really wanted to work within my community as a volunteer. So on the weekends, I would spend a lot of my weekend hours and sometimes even evening hours after work doing volunteer work in my hometown of Newark, New Jersey. And as I dove into the work it started looking more and more like mental health work. So when I say like, I feel like intuitively my, you know, I I started connecting to this work or like the work found me. I think it was because of that because I didn't actually like go into volunteer work saying I want to work with people from a mental health angle. Um, And then also my own therapeutic journey. I actually, the first therapist I ever saw 
relayed to me just in the first month of therapy that I would make a great therapist. And so I, I didn't listen at first, but I, you know, eventually bought into the idea and I transitioned my career. Wow. And how long have you been doing that now? So that was 2010. Then there were eight years of a master's and a doctorate degree. And now I'm three years in practice. Amazing. And I know that something which you talk about a lot on social media, but I know it's something which you do a lot in your clinical practice as well is, as I mentioned earlier, is talking about trauma. And that's something which we haven't really talked about much on this podcast. The Face Your Great podcast has been going about two years now. And we haven't talked about this subject yet. I feel so passionate about talking about it. And I just knew you'd be the perfect person to guide us through that. So I'd love you to be able to just give us a, a really simple overview of what trauma is and the different types of trauma as well, because I know that it can encompass so many things, not just the obvious, very severe traumas, but much sort of smaller day-to-day traumas too. Oh, I love that uh, you added that in there. Yeah, absolutely. So trauma itself, I think we're in society, we're fairly familiar with it, but not entirely kind of from the pure clinical sense. So what it is, is the consequence of having undergone extreme distress. And extreme distress doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to happen just in one instant with like some of those major traumas you mentioned, like a natural disaster or, you know, having been assaulted, like anything that is one specific event that people can identify as having produced trauma in their lives. But it can also be what we know to be like chronic trauma or chronic experiences of overwhelming distress that then lead us to have a very similar emotional response. So when we talk about trauma, we're talking about the specific trauma responses, really. When people say, you know, I am in trauma, we're talking about that person actually exhibiting trauma responses or ways to cope with overwhelming stress. And the different types, there's so many. The one that I think most people recognize and are familiar with is PTSD, uh, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, which is um, typically the kind of stress disorder that surfaces after a person has experienced a singular event trauma. But there's also complex trauma, which is the type of trauma that a person experiences as a result of having multiple, a, a series of distressful events in their lives. Typically, the events have started in childhood. We have intergenerational trauma, which is the one type of trauma that we understand has a biological component because there are genetic markers or expressions that a person has that are handed down down their lineage that are part of the experience in addition to having suffered distress in their own lifetime. And there are so many more, but I think for the most part right now in society, a lot of the conversations are primarily around those three. Absolutely. And I was reading on your website and in your blog that there can be many symptoms of trauma. Um, Some are very obvious, some may not be so obvious for quite a while. And 
I saw that you were talking about mood, behavioural, psychological and also metabolic as well. Could you talk us through a little bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the symptoms themselves, they can vary person to person. But for the most part, we have a constellation of symptoms that fall into specific categories and brackets, some of which you've mentioned. For the most part, when it comes to, to trauma, especially single event traumas, we tend to see that a person has like a higher level of irritability. These are some of the more um, behavioral symptoms, right? That a person has this hypervigilant response, meaning that they're, uh, they have like a, a a wider range of triggers that happen as a result of it. There tends to be more of the experience of mood-based symptoms, which is, you know, a person either having more experiences of sadness or feeling um, as though their actual mood is what we call labile, meaning that it goes from one extreme to the other or there isn't really a lot of steadiness in a person's mood as a result. There are some of the more like tangible and concrete behaviors that we tend to see with trauma are they can fall along the range of like high risk behaviors. People tend to engage more in substance use, in alcohol use, in uh, risky sexual behaviors. And other things that can put their life at risk or put them in a dangerous position. Um, and then we have some of the more kind of internal hormonal mechanisms of trauma, which fall along the lines of metabolic and more around the range of like what we know about immunity and immune response and inflammation and uh, all of those responses that are a testament of trauma as well, which is typically that we see the stress hormone that is like the most prominent hormone inside of the body either elevate or become so low that um, we know for a fact that it, it, it is connected to some element of high stress or, or trauma. Uh, and that hormone is, is named cortisol. And so when we see uh, hyper elevations of cortisol or hypo experiences of cortisol, we tend to start kind of mapping that back to trauma. In addition to other things, I mean, there's so much that happens in the metabolic process that is in connection to trauma, but more of what the conversation that we're having both in the scientific world and I think in society at large right now is that the there is a a very direct connection that we're starting to see between trauma and trauma responses and chronic illness, chronic physical illness specifically. So there's a lot to be said about trauma. It's just it's such a big word, right? And I think that that's more what I'm trying to highlight, that there's a lot um, that can be said. And what I said is only maybe like 1% of, of what we know. Absolutely. And I think it is such a big word and such a big subject. And I'm really interested in it because particularly over the last couple of years, professionally, but also people in my life personally, I don't think I've come across anybody. And I say particularly in the last couple of years because of the very obvious COVID that's been around who 
hasn't come out of the last two years with some level of trauma. And that's not even necessarily related to traumas that they've had maybe throughout childhood or other times in their life. Would you say that generally, and this can be sort of pre-COVID or or post-COVID, would you say that generally most adults have experienced some form of trauma in some way on some level? Absolutely, because taking it back to the question that you asked previously, there are big T traumas and little T traumas and big T traumas are some of those more like drastic types of traumas that for the most part tend to place a a risk or threat upon your life. And then we have small T traumas, which are day to day experiences that can also have an adverse impact upon your stress levels and your general health but aren't those like major events that can, you know, um, pose that life risk. And so the small T traumas are anywhere from a bad breakup to loss of employment, you know, to experiencing a microaggression, to having no shelter, probably no shelter, maybe more of a large T, but it, there, there are so many of the, the day-to-day experiences that we have in our lives that when they are interpreted in the mind as being uh, causing extreme distress, they can too be felt as uh, trauma. And so if we start to look at trauma within that range, then we start to understand, oh, okay, I've been through a bad breakup, then maybe that was, you know, traumatizing to an extent, right? Lower on the spectrum of trauma was traumatizing nonetheless. And so that leads us to believe, you know, that um, many of us, probably more of us than not, have had an experience of trauma in our lifetime. Absolutely. And I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and tell ourselves that it's actually okay because we have all experienced trauma. And I think it's very easy to look at people who have gone through those much, much bigger traumas and feel in some way that our traumas are not worthy in some way and we shouldn't acknowledge them, we shouldn't talk about them, we shouldn't work through them. But actually, everyone is holding on to trauma. And I think by just giving that message out, it just allows everyone to take that deep breath and go, okay, so I have experienced trauma. Even if you simply live through the last two years and you've gone through all these lockdowns, all this fear that's been in the world, I think that everybody, whether you're five years old, 55 years old or 95 years old, will have experienced some level of trauma within that. So I really feel that anybody listening out there, first of all, just give yourself a little bit of grace and say it's okay. And you probably have experienced some trauma and everyone else has too. And you are worthy to feel that. And I think secondly, it's also just starting to have a little bit of awareness about the trauma because correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I would imagine that just starting to become aware of some of those symptoms of trauma is the first step to healing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think we have to name it and call it what it is and bring acknowledgement to it in order to get even to the phase of healing. Um, So that is an essential component, right? And I think there is an emotional process that happens when you take the word trauma and apply it to your life. There, There is a lot of grief that happens in that moment. There's 
there's shock, there is despair, right? And so we have to also give credit to the process that a person has to undergo whenever they're attaching their life experience to the word trauma and, and allow there to be space to just experience those emotions and then transition into the healing work. Absolutely. And how can we start to heal? Because I know you talk about healing back, healing laterally, healing forward. Mm-hmm. What would be the first step you recommend for someone listening to this and they're saying to themselves, okay, well, I've either experienced one of these bigger traumas or I know my traumas are perhaps smaller traumas, a series of life events or day-to-day happenings that built up and have caused trauma in certain parts of my mind or body. How does the healing process start? Well, healing can can look like a lot of things for many of us. I mean, it all depends on whether the person is looking to engage in a healing process that is just individualized and it's more of like that self-healing journey, or if they're looking to engage in a healing process that's facilitated by someone else, like a therapist or another type of healer, or if it's both, right? Which is usually like the, it's the the recommendation, right? That you do some of the work, but that you also, you know, have someone that can, you know, help move you along the process. If a person is looking for more of the self-healing process and it can be helpful, you know, for the person to be in full understanding of what a trauma healing journey can look like before even engaging in it. So looking to resources that can, you know, help you to be more well-versed on the different mechanisms of trauma is always a good idea. And then actually making sure that I, I call a process that I engage with, with everybody that I come in contact with, uh, but especially my own clients, I, I call this process a sandwich method, which is basically making sure that you're, you factor in a healing practice that is more self-care centered before you actually do the healing work and after. Like if, for example, you're doing some journaling and the journaling is going to be very trauma-centered and you're going to be recounting aspects of your story that are going to be bringing up tough emotions. And it's going to be very important that you sandwich that journaling practice with some self-care before, some breathing practices, some grounding, anything that can be uh, helpful in regulating the nervous system prior to getting into the practice. And then that there would be another set of practices after the actual journaling practice that can also be regulating to the nervous system, like a sound bath meditation or speaking to, you know, somebody that can feel like a, a safe and grounding person. And then on the, you know, on the therapy end, there are different modalities, but one of the most um, prominent modalities of therapy that we know about in the trauma world is somatic psychotherapy, which really involves the body and bodily based practices that can be regulating to the nervous system as a part of the journey as well. And once we have that in place, then we can get into elements of the mind and the ways in which the trauma has, you know, become implanted in the mind and in a person's emotions. And me as a holistic psychologist, I like to also integrate not just what's body-based, not just what's in the mind, but also anything that is a part of 
how trauma becomes implanted in the spirit, which is in the ways that trauma basically disconnects us from ourselves and from other people. So some of the practices that I engage in also uh, the person to their own spiritual self. Amazing. I love that you talk so much about sound healing and sound baths as well. How have you found those a useful tool in, in helping your patients with trauma? Oh, they've been so, so healing. I I have yet uh, to receive feedback or a response that isn't in the affirmative in reference to sound bath healing. And the thing about sound bathing and sound as medicine is that it produces a healing effect in the mind and the body and in the spirit that is happening in the moment as you're listening, but it also produces a healing effect thereafter. So it's, it stays with you. And so I think that that's something that people tend to carry with them, that they feel more regulated and in tune and in their bodies when they're actually doing the sound medicine. And then they feel that they can carry that through because they they feel like they're more grounded and more rooted in themselves. And so the work that they do after the sound bathing is always, it, it feels more concrete, more effective. Absolutely. I absolutely love sound baths and I'm actually taking training at the moment to learn myself oh. how to be a, a crystal singing bowl practitioner, which is just oh. so amazing. And I love just bringing this into all the other holistic therapies and, and yoga and face yoga that I do. So I'm definitely a fan of that. And I think that it works so, so deep at really deep cellular levels. So I can see how you use that so much um, alongside more traditional therapy. I think the two just work so beautifully together. Yes. And I'd love to know a little bit about your own wellness routine. So it can either be to the things that you have done or do do to help yourself through any traumas you may have experienced or just things that you do just to feel healthy and happy and enjoy a little bit of self-care. Yes. You know, I've transitioned a lot of my self-care into being a lot of more lifestyle practices right rather than like these like one-off practices that I do at the top of my day or when things aren't going well so I think that doing it that way has made my my emotional world just so much more abundant in in healing and in wellness so for anybody you know who's listening who who wants to know well how do I make this work feel like it's actually uh, doing something. I think in large part, what we have to do just across the world is to to make sure that we're engaging in self-care as a lifestyle, as a routine. But the things that I love to do, of course, uh, are sound bath meditation is one of my go-tos at the very top of my day. I tend to engage in a sound bath. And uh, whenever I play, interestingly enough, my dog loves to sit on my lap when I'm playing. So oh, I, that's I have a feeling. <laughs> Thank you. I have a feeling that that it also does something for him. Uh, mm. So we, you know, we have a moment where we're just engaging in, in sound medicine. But I've also done a lot of slowing down of my life. So I only have a handful of clients and I literally only work with just a few people of which I could work, you know, like have a practice that is on a large scale, but I really 
have understood that working with less people is good for my soul. It allows me to be more present. It makes me more proud of the work that I produce. And that too is a self-care practice because it's a, it's a business decision that I have made so that I can be well within the work that I do. So when I talk about, you know, uh, self-care as a lifestyle, it's in the sound bath that I do at the top of my day. It's in the gratitude list that I mentalize at the top of my day. But it also is in the day-to-day decisions that I make to make sure that my life is reflective of peace and tranquility. I think that's amazing and such an important message. And as I'm really immersing myself into the sound healing now, I'm super interested to know which crystal bowls you use, which notes they are or what crystals they're made of, um, just purely out of personal interest, because I'm sort of starting to (laughs) delve into that world and understand a bit more. Yes, of course. Yeah, I love that, Um, you know, that that's been a large part of what you are engaging in and and i i believe that it, it it has such beautiful synergy with your work already so i'm excited for you now my very favorite uh crystal ball is my uh, heart chakra ball which is the, the f note mm-hmm. and um, that's the one i play the most i feel deeply connected to that ball and i feel like a lot of the work that i do is heart-based work I'm also doing a lot of protection of my own heart as I do very hard work around trauma. So when I think about my goal to bowl, it definitely is is always, you know, centered in the heart chakra. Amazing. I love that. And how many bowls do you have in total? So, you know, I've actually like padded it down. So I used to have more. Okay. Um, Wow. You had a lot. Yeah. 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 So I I started off with one and it was actually a gift from my cousin. Um, She knew I was on a a journey towards engaging in more indigenous based practices and spirituality within my own life, but also my work. And I was gifted this bowl a number of years ago. And ever since, you know, I've been I've been connected to to the work through these bowls. But I I currently have five. I feel like I should have more, to be frank, because I do this so often <laughs> that I <laughs> I feel like I should have every chakra. But but I don't. I, I you know, I I am very intentional about which bowls I, I have in my home and um, what kind of energy they bring in. And so I've stuck to my five for now. I think that's amazing. And it's about quality, not quantity. So Mm -hmm. you have to feel deeply connected to it. So I absolutely love that. And what I'd love to ask you, just as our final question for today, is if you could share with all of our listeners just one top tip for deep inner peace and for feeling good, what would that be? Mm. I would say, see to focusing on developing a relationship with yourself and for that relationship to be such a wholesome and wholehearted relationship that even in the moments when you spend a lot of time alone that you never quite feel lonely because you will always have yourself and you consider yourself to be your own best friend so I would say that 
That's such beautiful advice. Thank you so much. And I would love for you to share with everybody where they can get in contact with you, where they can follow you on social media as well. Yes, absolutely. So people can get in touch with me through social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Marielle Bouquet. And I also have a YouTube channel and can be found on my website, drmariellebouquet.com. Oh, Marielle, thank you so much. You've been an absolute Mm -hmm. delight. And thank you for sharing all your lovely and really important tips and techniques with all of us. Thank you, Danielle. It's been a pleasure. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.